Emma. And I'm Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of, the podcast, the new podcast of two best friends who are finally holding each other accountable for all of those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. And boy, we have a lot. Oh! We have a lot. (laughs) We have so many. I'm so excited. I've got a lot of opinions today, folks. Yes. And luckily... You'll find out about what in a second. Yes. And luckily, it's Emma this week who gets to share her passion for a little known film. You. It's known, but not for any good reasons. (laughs) Should we... This is our first episode. Should we talk a little bit about what our concept is sure yeah so um both me and emma have known each other now for about almost nine i can't years? think about it i can't think about it I yes. th- almost yeah and nine beautiful years <laughs> yeah so we met Less in university and both of us share a passion for sharing things we love to share things and um the problem with that is that we have a lot to share and we just have lists and lists of things that the other person needs to watch or listen and just consume. And we just and don't we have just, time. <laughs> and we just keep saying these things into the void and being like, I know, I know, I'll totally watch it. I'll totally listen to it. And then not doing that. So, no. But when you have an episode deadline, you gotta do that. Exactly. Hopefully. And also, we want to also share our recommendations with other people. So it's just not each other yelling at each other's faces to watch something. <laughs> we do that enough the rest of the week. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what our structure is kind of going to be like is that we each will have one episode where we ha- bring something forward and we get to discuss it. The other person has to watch it or has to listen to it or has to read it. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. <laughs> this week, we are talking about, and I can't believe this, this is Wait. a Disney movie. Before okay. you before you say, okay, <laughs> because both me and Emma live on opposite sides of the country. Um, there's also things that we can't actually share with the other person because it's easy they... to watch a movie. It's less easy to be like smell this candle from across the seas. <laughs> exactly. So before you, I know you're super excited, but before you get into it, um, I'm just gonna quickly share a couple of things. That I want to share with you. I know you can't consume them, but I really want you to know about it. And ironically, the first thing is actually a candle. <laughs> oh, I know you so well. <laughs> and like this smell is really good. I got it for Christmas. It's called, it's from the Sixth Scent Candle, which is kind Ooh. of cool. It's vanilla bean marshmallow and it <gasps> smells very good. But the reason why I really like it is it has a, a wood wick with it. So mm. let me just light a candle. And oh, I, I couldn't. I can't have it playing the whole time because it makes a sound, and this is what I like about it. I'm just gonna hold it up. You can't hear it, but no, I can't. No, I can't hear it. It's good audio. That's podcast gold, baby. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's like when it's a wood wick, it like crackles, and it kind of sounds like it reminds me of camping as a kid with like raindrops falling, and it's just oh, I just like that. It's not just silent. It smells good, and it's like burning. I'm going to blow it out now. <laughs> okay. 
I'm gonna. I know you have more things, but yes. earlier today, I was literally. It was raining outside. It's January in Toronto, and it's freaking raining outside. It was pouring, and I was like, I'm gonna be camping right now, so I bought graham crackers and marshmallows, <laughs> and was just sitting and eating cold s'mores on my <laughs> couch just alone. Put in a microwave at least. I don't have a microwave, and I didn't want to turn on the oven. They taste fine cold. It was mainly just about the marshmallows. The graham crackers are a bonus. I didn't even have chocolate, so like, it's oh fine. my gosh. <laughs> Oh, we should go camping sometime. <laughs> but, okay, my other thing is also said, I've kind of talked to you about it before, but recently I need it more than anything, is from the Magic Candle Company, their incense, the Century one. Oh, can you explain to our many, many, obviously many listeners <laughs> what that, what the Century scent is? Because you have told me about this before. Yes. But um, I've never smelt it. <laughs> they do candles that smell like Disney Park, attractions, hotels, resorts, all that stuff. And me and Emma, you may realize soon, sooner rather than later that <laughs> very soon <laughs> we do like Disney. And um, we recently, oh, not recently. It's been over two years and I'm sad about oh, it. No, um, not over, not over <laughs> two years. Almost two years. Two years next, next Friday. <laughs> yes. Not that I've been counting. My Disney depression has been pretty bad. So... This century, I put it in my diffuser. Century is based off of Pop Century Resort in Disney, and that is the resort that me and Emma stayed at. Um, yeah, so the the scent is a scent of green tea and lemongrass. And when you're there, you're like, you're not like walking through the lobby being like, oh yes, green tea and lemongrass. But when you smell this, it just smells like holiday, and it is so delightful that. Oh my God. It just brings me back to Florida right now. Oh, it's so good. So we're going to talk about Disney parks a lot because we're thinking about them constantly. I can just say that. I feel like I can speak for you. We are thinking about Disney parks every day of our lives. 100%. So having a little bit of magic home and just having the smell. I got the... I got a bunch of other smells, but this was my favorite one. And the reason why I got this instead of candles is that these kind of last a little bit longer. And also, they, but hey, they also have wood wicks, the magical candle company. So oh, maybe I'll buy sexy one. Of them. Anywho, so those are just little things I wanted to share. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and the name of that segment, by the way, is Unshareables. Because as much as I would love to be huffing that sweet lemongrass right now, I cannot. Nope. <laughs> What an elegant way to put that. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, okay. It's, can yeah. I, can I, it's a oh, yeah. time, is mm-hmm. it time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing prayer hands right now. Yeah. Um, okay. So two years ago, Jenny and I went to Walt Disney World in Florida together and it was my first time at a Disney park and Jenny said that like one of the many good things about going is that you can find merchandise for pretty much any Disney movie ever. Like if you can't find yeah. it at one park... There's one store specifically that does like pins and you can find pins for any Disney movie. And I was like, awesome, because I love the one Disney movie nobody cares about that Jenny had never seen before, didn't think such a thing existed. And we went and I said, excuse me, sir, do you have any John Carter merchandise? And he looked at me and just said, no, no. (laughs) And that's because we're talking about John Carter, Disney's biggest flop, a live action Disney film, 2012, changed me as a woman, yep, as yep. a person, as who I, as someone who consumes media. Yeah, it's John Carter week, baby. Yeah, it is John Carter from Earth. Yes. 
And then be like, that's not, that's not a real place. It's called Jossoom. <laughs> what? Edgar Rice Burroughs. Why are you like oh. this? Okay. So should I do a little intro? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for I'm... many people who haven't heard of it, especially if I haven't heard about it, and I'm a huge Disney fan, like that's saying something. <laughs> There's, there's two paths to talk about the intro to John Carter. One is the story. One is the very troubled filming, projection, release, marketing, everything about this movie. We're just going to with the story. John Carter was originally a novel series uh, by a man named Edgar Rice Burroughs, who, if you don't know him, he also wrote a little franchise called Tarzan. What? He was... Yeah! Oh! I, I, yeah. I have a VHS out right now because I watched... It yesterday. Some of his <laughs> Disney ventures are more successful than others, one mm-hmm. might say. Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, was gonna just get this out of the way. Pretty racist. Um, no, sorry. I should I should say that more seriously. He was pretty racist. A lot of his books have not aged well, and it's part of what makes them very difficult to adapt. Like, obviously, oh, we had yeah. the Disney Tarzan like 20 years ago now, but they did the live-action Tarzan a couple years ago, and it doesn't work because it's they're very white savior. Like, the point I can make with John Carter is that James Cameron cited it as the main influence for Avatar, which I think is a lot of the, one of the first times people started looking at oh, white savior narratives. That's why it you, recommended right? me watching Avatar after I watched John Carter. I'm like, why? Oh, oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but John Carter is just a really special franchise to me. I've only read the first book. I actually haven't even read it in full. There was ten. He wrote started writing them. In 1912. So the movie came out literally a hundred years after the first book was written. John Carter as a character has been around for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And part of what makes the movie not work, but also part of what I love about it, is that John Carter and that style of serial novel is responsible for a lot of science fiction as we know it today. Oh, so yeah. obviously there's James Cameron citing it as Avatar, but also, let me consult my notes, uh, George Lucas has talked about how Edgar Rice Burroughs is very influential to him. And the visual language and story style he wanted for Star Wars. This is very, very Star Warsy, for sure. And other other famous sci-fi authors, Ray Bradbury, Arthur C. Clarke, have all talked about how it was very influential for their writing style. The general concept is it that it is about a Civil War soldier, at least in the movie, who is very tired of fighting. They one thing I thought was interesting is in the book, John yeah. Carter is a retired Confederate soldier. I'm very proud to have fought for the American South in the Civil War. Oh. And in the movie, I thought I was like, surely they will scrap the fact that he was a Confederate and just have him as a soldier. They don't take out the fact that he fights for the South, but he is someone who is very much tired of fighting and regrets fighting for a cause because Mm. you can say it's for a cause. That doesn't mean it's the right one. Oh, exactly. And he's very separate from where he fought. He doesn't want to rejoin that. Um, But... I don't even remember where I was going. So he's a soldier who is out of the Civil War, very tired of fighting, and then through a series of events, (laughs) finds himself on Mars, also known as Barsoom, and thrust into a very complicated political conflict. This movie, I didn't know it at the time, basically jams in plots from several of the ten John Carter novels, and you can tell because there is so much happening, and we can dig into that in a little bit more, but... Before I get deep in a tangent of this film's production history, which I love talking about, what were your thoughts? What are my thoughts of it? I, th- like, my overall thought was, because I know how important this movie is to you, I've, like I said in the beginning, I've known Emma for almost nine years now, and throughout 
Mostly that she has mentioned John Carter <laughs> multiple times. We met in the fall of 2011, and this movie came out in spring 2012. So Jenny met me, and I was, I was so naive to the ways <laughs> of the world. Um, and so my overall thoughts was it wasn't as bad as you made it seem that people didn't like it because the way you were mentioning you're like I don't know if I want to make it my first one like people hate it it's gonna I'm gonna die on this hill and so I was expecting a lot worse and it wasn't actually that bad (laughs) so like I don't know if it was because I came in with such low expectations that it like reached it it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen but it wasn't bad I ended up watching it twice because the first time I was like analyzing and like taking notes and then I watched it a second time yeah I watched it a second time and ironically enough so many of my questions are actually answered in the film my main problem with it is that I'm not a big fan of the love interest plot and I know that's like the whole thing I just didn't see a connection between the two of them which kind of put everything a damper for me <laughs> and I know you probably are obsessed with them but I'm like I didn't get it my entire body is shaking right now not out of anger just like out of excitement to talk about my number okay so when I remember when Disney bought Star Wars and everyone was like oh my goodness this means Princess Leia is a Disney princess and I have no problem with people who are like Princess Leia is my favorite Disney princess but if we're playing by those yeah. rules Princess Deja Thoris yeah. Our heroine is absolutely my favorite Disney princess. The first novel is novel in the John Carter series is called A Princess of Mars. Like she is the heart of it for me. Oh and she yeah, is, yeah, yeah. If you ever look up like old covers of the novel, she's put in the skimpiest outfits, the most outrageous yeah. comic book poses, like no waist, giant chest. It's terrible. But I the first time you see Deja in this movie, she is She's also a scientist. She also is, like, the leader of the universe yep. on Mars. Yep. It's so cuckoo bananas. And she's just practicing this little speech she's going to give to the mayor, Jeddak, of this city she lives in, Helium. Isn't that her dad? Who is also her father. <laughs> I was like, that's her dad. <laughs> Who is also her father. But she's practicing this little speech, and she gets so excited talking about this weird space science ninth ray that she's discovered that she just starts laughing and I just I love her and I I can see why I have had almost a decade to muse on this relationship and so I I rewatched the movie this morning for the first time in a couple years and I was like hmm a lot of what I love about this movie is definitely the work I've put into and just thinking about it nonstop. I thought her as a character was great I just did not get the tension between the two but it could just be me personally didn't get it i was like she is just using him which is great to get the what she needs for the country <laughs> i guess that's supposed to be sexual tension but i'm just like this is just tension you need to get away <laughs> Step back, exactly sir. and i don't know but i'm sure um, there's like definitely like fanfic or like theories and stuff honestly i can say no there is no fanfic the john carter fandom is me <laughs> That's it. That's it. Like, I'm not kidding. I've been on the internet. Like, whenever you find out about these websites like Society6 or TeenTopic.com and people are like, go look up any show or movie you can think of and you'll find fan art there. No, you will not. So what in your mind, like, what are the things that you've come up with that have changed your perception? Because all I got was what was on the screen. I was thinking a lot about what do I love about John Carter? Why is this story stuck with me for so many years? Um, this was definitely, 2012 was definitely the year of Taylor Kitsch. Uh, I had actually, I am a longtime Friday Night Lights fan. Jenny is currently watching yes. it for the first time. 
So once she's done, this will be a future episode. Because Tim Riggins. That that's also a, a problem, though. The entire time Tim I was Riggins. like, this little shit Tim Riggins. Like, calm Tim down, Riggins. dude. But here's the thing. I did not watch Friday Night Lights when I saw John Carter for the first time. Oh. Yeah, this was definitely the year of Taylor Kitsch. Friday Night Lights had ended in 2011. And this year he had John Carter coming out in March. He had Battleship coming out in the summer. Battleship, also not successful. I do also love it. And then in the fall, he had a movie called The Savages. So he did, like, two blockbuster Mm -hmm. sci-fi pieces and then a kind of smaller indie drama film. Um, And none of them were successful. Mm. Savages, I think, got some good reviews, um, but they were all box office failures. And his career since then has definitely deked more into that of a character actor, which I think actually suits him better. He is very funny. He's very charming. He's also from Canada. Wait, um, he's he's Canadian? He is from British Columbia. He is from Kelowna. Oh no, I like him so much more now. You know why I know this? Why? Because I went to buy John Carter on Blu-ray and there was a little sticker. I have a photo of this. I'll send it to you later. There's a little photo, a little sticker on the DVD Blu-ray packaging and it says starring Canada's Taylor Kitsch oh and a little maple leaf. Oh bless. Best marketing ever. Oh, um, I, that's a thing. As a Canadian, as soon as you find out someone's Canadian, I like instantly like excited. them more. Right? It's very exciting. <laughs> I know. Um, so his career definitely has taken a bit of a dive. This was a real push to make him a leading man. And I had no idea who this dude was. One of our friends who did watch Friday Night Lights at the time, when I told her I loved John Carter, she goes, oh yeah, it's got Riggins. And I was like, hmm, what's that? What's that mean? Those are just, those are just sounds you're making. Exactly. And I've been thinking a lot about, I was trying to remember, why did I even go see this movie? Why did I care about this film? And it all comes back to one teaser trailer that I sent to Jenny. <laughs> Which is actually very funny. I was Googling it this morning. I was like, I need to make Jenny understand why this film is appealing to me. And I looked it up and I found multiple articles being like, here's why this trailer is responsible for ruining John Carter's box office. This trailer is one of the worst trailers ever made. Oh, no. Because John Carter was a Disney film. It was Andrew Stanton's live action debut. Andrew Stanton at the time had just come off of, well, not just, but in the past decade had co-directed Bugs Life. Uh, directed Finding Nemo. What else did he do? He did Wally, mm. and he'd also written on Toy Story Wally. and Toy Story Two. So he basically was given a blank check to be like, "You want to try live action? We're gonna loan you out to Disney to do live action. What project do you want?" Wow. And he is the same age-ish as these other directors I've already mentioned: James Cameron, George Lucas, who grew up with 1930s serials. He's exactly the type of someone who would love Edgar Rice Burroughs writing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm going to make a John Carter movie happening. <laughs> that wasn't a full <laughs> sentence. I'm going to make a John Carter movie happen. I got you. I know what you meant. You got me. Um, and I was thinking, and so this trailer features Peter Gabriel covering an Arcade Fire song called My Body is a Cage. And it was, it's very morose. It's very moody. It's very not disney it's and it also is surprisingly thematically relevant for john carter what were you gonna say i was gonna say that song is just hilarious to me of how often <laughs> oh y'all would sing it when we used to live on residence in university and anything anything dramatic would happen anything like inconvenience y'all be just like my body is i would okay. just start yelling it and because <laughs> so this trailer features my body as a cage and it's this, 
the line is, it keeps me from dancing with the one I love, but my mind holds the key, which is literally the plot of John Carter, where his body is trapped on Earth, and he's trying to get back to where his heart is on Mars with Dejah Thoris. And I saw this trailer and was like, hmm, I can have a little space romance in my life? (laughs) Yes, please. And people, Disney was really pushing this movie as a action franchise waiting to happen. This is also really interesting because it was definitely at a time when we were in a bit of a franchise drought. The Mm. first Avengers movie hadn't come out. Like, you'd had all the ones that were a precursor, but Avengers hadn't come out yet. Harry Potter had ended the summer before. The Hunger Games came out, I think, two, three weeks. John Carter came out at the beginning of March. Hunger Games came out at the end of it. Oh, because I remember we went and saw it. At the end of our first year. Yeah, so Hunger Games hadn't come out yet. Twilight, the final movie, was coming out that fall. So all of these other franchises were wrapping wrapping up. And then there were a lot of studios starting to push new potential franchises. So John Mm. Carter was originally planned as a trilogy, which is obviously never going to happen. It famously cost around, I think, $350 million to make. I I don't have any reference of how much a movie should cost. So I don't know. Like, as a human, that's an an enormous amount of money as a filmmaker i have no idea it was it was andrew stanton has since talked about i think how he was like i really enjoyed making john carter i was so confident while i was making it but because he had all these other successes where he was like we're gonna make a movie about bugs we're gonna make a movie about a clownfish we're gonna make a movie about a robot and people had been very resistant to it and he had always always delivered so he was like i'm gonna make a movie about john carter and people were skeptical but but like it's okay have all the money like but the other ones were animation like, mm-hmm. that's a completely it's a different big learning curve. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, I think, was quite confident at the time and has since talked about how he wishes someone had been a little firmer with him just to say, no, you need to focus on one thing. Or maybe this is me projecting. You need to focus, choose one story to focus on. You need yeah. to do more with the characters but you have instead of adding in so many more. He had to take some responsibility for it, though, Ooh, right? Yes. Call out Andrew Stanton, like, Jenny. I love this. <laughs> like, mm. I'm just saying, you can't have a bunch of successes and then a flop and be like, well, someone to- should have told me. Um, no. You're a professional. You have to take accountability for your actions. If something doesn't do well at the box office, like, you can't just be like, well, someone should have told me to focus. Like, no. <laughs> oh my god. I, like, I haven't even really talked about more about the plot or what I love about this movie, but oh, I think yeah. part of what I love about this movie is it's it's the fact that it's not very well respected and a lot of people are mm. like, oh, this was the pits for Disney. Because I love an underdog. Yeah. I love defending a movie. I love knowing ins and outs of film trivia and film production. And this is really just a delicious three-course... No, three-course is too modest. A five-course meal for me to dig into <laughs> and talk about. Like, if I want to talk about directors and screenwriters, the script is by Michael Chabon. Chabon, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And he's one of my favorite authors. I've only ever actually read one of his books, uh, Cavalier and Clay, which is about comic book heroes in the 1940s and 50s. Ooh. Um, or about two Jewish men writing about comic book. Oh, okay. Uh, heroes at that time and so he's all which I think is also very influenced by John Carter and these serialized type stories so Michael Chabon wrote this script and he's an incredibly nuanced writer and he's his other screenwriting credits are very good as well none of them of course I can remember right now Um, but this film is just so much fun to talk about because I'm happy that you enjoyed it and you're like it's not as bad as you (laughs) thought it was gonna be but if there's anything you don't like about it let me know because I have thought about this movie in so much detail and I just 
I have a real affection towards it because even if its source material doesn't hold up to today's standards, it informs so much about what we have in sci-fi today, which is my favorite genre. I love the possibilities that sci-fi creates and certainly Dejah Thoris was not an interesting or strong character when she was created, but the love that people have poured into her over the years and the the affection and charm and strength that Lynn Collins performs her with is just like, oh, if they had taken a little less care with the source material in making this movie and a little more into just making it its own thing mm-hmm. and being like, We're, we can't make this movie because it's already been done so many times by everyone else, yeah. even if not in name. We have to look at the way the genre has changed. Oh, yeah. And so I think if they had... And so what I love about John Carter is the possibilities. Like, there was so many things happening. There was the franchises. There was, is Taylor Kitsch going to break out of the Riggins type he set for himself? Mm. Lynn Collins had been in a few other big projects. Uh, Wolverine, she was the female lead, and actually also with Taylor Kitsch's Gambit. And so she was kind of like, is she going to happen? Is she not? There's a lot of really great British actors in there. And it was really pitched as, look at these cool effects. Look at these giant aliens we have this space ape with that he's gonna have to fight look at these sky ships and these laser guns yeah yeah, yeah. but what i care about is the relationship between john carter and deja thoris and her loving science and her wanting to save her planet and i think something that they could have focused more on is the what she, what deja thoris is trying to defend there's a ton of political strife she's she's the princess of this major city helium but they are constantly under attack from another city um, with a villain whose name I can't remember, so I'm just going to call him Dominic West because it's Dominic West. Yeah. Um, but the reason everyone is fighting is because Mars is dying as a planet. The waters have gone. John Carter talks about seeing the sea, and Deja's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I've never experienced that. And she's trying to find a way to save her planet, which has only become more relevant in the nine years eight years since this movie's come out and I think if they had leaned in a little more to like the environmental side of things mm. and that, that that the Mars is dying we need to save it plot that could have been very ahead of its time um, but instead they have, they have the environmental plot they have this political fight with Dominic West but then they are also fighting against these non-humanoid aliens called the Tharks and they're four-armed and they're green and there's a lot of like a lot of potential room for a political analogy about like mm. indigenous species that they, they never really lean into properly or address and then there's another tribe of tharks and there's all these different factions happening and then there's another species called the therns that aren't even, like i'm just saying i'm just saying consonants together <laughs> i know i'm like horrible with names so like i i know what you're talking about because i saw the movie so what you're describing i'm like oh yeah that must have been what their name was um mm-hmm. but yeah there was a lot going on like i definitely love a world where you can tell that there's history from it like when they're Mm -hmm. traveling you can see like ruins and stuff like there was something there like i really like that aspect of the feeling of an old place i think but you kind of mentioned some of the actors and actresses in it like for the first half of the movie was me being like what's that person from why do they look familiar? <laughs> I, like, legit half of my notes is, hey, it's that dad from the 70s show. Hey, it's the Spy Kids guy. Hey, it's the guy from Pride. Um, like, the entire... Oh, yeah! <laughs> I forgot Dominic West. I'm so happy that you know Dominic West from Pride, because he's played some scuzzy people well, and some things, and I'm much, that's much a much better reference point. Well, the only problem is that 
I think I've only seen him in Pride. And so I couldn't see him as a bad person because I'm like, he should just be dancing to 70s music right now. Like, like I was like, he should be doing disco with a bunch of old people. Like, I was like... He should be married to Andrew Scott right now. (laughs) Exactly. So the entire time I was like, he can't do no wrong. Like, I know he's doing bad things, but he's just... He's... No, he gotta go... He wants to disco. Like, I couldn't put two and two together. It was very difficult. And I was like, that voice is familiar. I was like... And then I was like, Brian Cranston? Why is he here for like a second? What? What is he doing here? Uh, this is also interesting because I think this is like right around the time Breaking Bad started. So Brian Cranston was just like the dad from Malcolm in the Middle who just started being edgy. So everyone knew Brian Cranston was a big actor, but Brian Cranston wasn't super. I mean, he was already famous, but he wasn't Brian Cranston again yeah. yet. So he shows up in this movie for like three minutes, gets punched in the face twice, shot, and then dies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. It's not relevant to the plot. He's in no. the movie for four oh, minutes. Oh, okay, tops. also talking about that, how does time work? Everyone, I encourage you to watch John Carter, make up your own mind about it, or if you're like, what are they talking about? Maybe just read a Wikipedia page, because truly there is so much happening in this movie, I cannot. Yeah. I do a plot by plot, point by point plot summary, we will be here for four hours, which is twice as long as the actual movie. Yes. So, um... So, I'm not entirely sure I, when I say I've never read the whole first book, it means I've owned a copy of the book for a year, and then this morning was like, huh, maybe I should read the book. I'm about a third of the way through right now. Nice. (laughs) I've just been reading all morning. Um, Went to the dentist, had a very productive time. (laughs) (laughs) And John Carter talks about how when he comes back to Earth, accidentally, whoopsie-doodles, he stops aging. And so, I don't know how time works. I don't think the author or the people behind the movie a hundred years later know how time works, but the implication, so... So when, because the whole thing I'm is Canadian, that when he, when was... I'm Canadian. When was the American Civil War? Do you know? No. Let, um, me, let me Google but, this. Because, like, when he... The whole thing is that his body is projected there. So they're saying his body doesn't age when he's over there. But then when he comes back to Earth, he has, like, a long beard. The dude's, like, a skeleton. Like, all his flesh and everything else is gone. Mm -hmm. And then he waits a very long time to get back. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so in theory, it wouldn't be that long for them on Mars. Do you want me to Google how long it takes? I know it doesn't take three days for a body to become a skeleton. Oh, actually, okay, I do have one point. I do have one point. Okay. In the book, they do not do this in the movie. Or maybe they do. In the book, at the end of the film, all of the political drama is resolved. John Carter, our white savior, has united all the nations of Mars. Um, and Marius Deja Thoris gets the girl and the throne, question mark. And they are married in the book, I was on the corner reputation, for about eight years before he gets accidentally sent back. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, that would make mm-hmm. sense for decomposition. That is just in my brain. Decomposition? Yeah. yeah. Basically, Brian Cranston's... Not Brian Cranston. I don't remember his character's name. <laughs> Me either. But his character is killed, and then John Carter gets in this cave with a bunch of gold that he's been looking for. Yeah. And then um, this race of all-seeing future space monks who control time and destiny called Thurns. Also, they like Thanos Send him people. to Mars. They like straight up Thanos people with that machine weapon. Like they oh, just Oh yeah. As I was happening, I was like, was this the inspiration for Endgame? And not Endgame, I guess Infinity Wars, but like It all comes back to John Carter. <laughs> yes he does. <laughs> it all comes back. <laughs> 
don't know, man. This movie's just... It's great, and I love all these side characters, and I really wish that it had connected with audiences more enough to get, even, like, on a smaller budget, a second film. Because I think it's one of those things where, like, the first film, they were like, we are throwing everything up. We are doing whatever mm. we can. Like, who was this movie for? Because they have, like... <laughs> So that was just, about, who is this for? <laughs> it's for me. It's for, honestly, like, I feel like this movie was made for me. I got to see pretty space views on a large screen. Yes. I got to be introduced to Taylor Kitsch. I got to see Deja Thoris, Lynn Collins, blowing you kisses right now. <laughs> and then also they were like, you want a weird alien space dog? Here you go. You want some <gasps> frankly terrible slapstick humor? Here you go. It's so, like the comedy, and then so like it's for kids because they've got some really dumb jokes. Yeah. And then also they have a t- they have a battle scene where John Carter kills literally thousands of aliens, or yeah. like hundreds maybe. He kills a ton of aliens, but it's not as gory to your brain because their blood is green or blue or whatever. Um, Can we go so, back like, to the space violence. dog? Can we talk about that space dog for a second? <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing because I just instinctively reached for my bosom and I'm now <laughs> holding it in affection. Oh, uh, but that space dog uh, is such a gift. Like, it's, it's so just a cool. fast dog. It's just a big, fat, like, lizard dog oh. that loves John Carter. I don't even know where it comes from. It just appears and is like, hi, John. Well, it, I thought it, like, I, love you, John. I thought the it girl, like me projecting. I thought the girl alien was in charge of it, and I don't know why people kept getting mad at her, just because they gave him, John, gave her John Carter as the baby. Also, yeah. when they're just- Her name just, is Sola. Sola? Okay. And then her father is Tars Tarkas, as played by two actors. Uh, Tars Tarkas is the leader of the green aliens- uh, played by Willem Dafoe, and then Sola, played by Samantha Morton, who is an excellent British actress mm. that I really enjoy. Yeah, this movie was for me because it's all these people I love, but like in space. In, in space. space. Wasn't this around the same time that like Jupiter's Ascending came out? Oh. Oh. Probably, yeah. Wait, okay, when did Jupiter Ascending come out? This is, actually, yeah, this is the same kind of deal where it's like, this is a movie for, John Carter as a novel series is for middle-aged men who are slightly conservative but want to <laughs> think they're cool, and yeah. then also made sci-fi that was made better by women and blah, 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 blah. I mm-hmm. won't go on that tirade right now. Um, but John Carter the movie is for 13-year-old girls who spend a lot of time on AO3. <laughs> And that was me. <laughs> um, when it, as is Jupiter Ascending, which came out in 2015. So Jupiter Ascending came out a couple years later, a couple years down oh. the road. Oh, I didn't realize it came out that late. But I, it, think it it kinda... I remember it being uh, delayed a couple of times. Like, I feel like Jupiter Ascending was on the radar for a very long time. Oh, yeah, it was okay. originally supposed to come out in 2014 and then got delayed by over a year. Also, like, in university, y'all, y'all used to always... Why am I yawling? You all. Because um, you've been watching Friday Night Lights. It's that Tammy Taylor <laughs> You would always talk about the Helium Wars. Is this what you talked about? Is this what you meant by the Helium Wars? Oh, <laughs> no, that was me and Nicole. 
I think, or maybe me and Morgan, I'm just saying names of people y'all listeners don't know, but <laughs> wait, now we don't have any listeners, so it's irrelevant. Um, no, so helium, like, the actual gas is very expensive. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. And there was, like, a lot of, a lot of threatening, worrying articles about how helium is going to be a, a finite resource yeah. and we're going to have a helium I remember war. you so, were like, you gotta conserve your helium, like, we got helium balloons, you're like, you gotta keep them. I was like, uh. <laughs> And then I watched this, and I was like, the helium wars, I was like. Are you kidding me? Is this what they were talking about this whole time? <laughs> now I have more pressing concerns. You inhale that helium all you want, Jenny. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, yeah. I just I was just like, mm. yeah. Also, I'm going through this phase when anytime I watch any adventure movie, I'm just like, I, I watch it for a bit, and I think to myself, is this Dungeons and Dragons? And then the answer is always yes, because pretty much like any adventure thing is pretty much that. So I was like, this is, oh. like, the how they got together, and then it was, like, the three of them. I was like, this is just an adventure they're going on, and they're just focusing on this person's quest right now. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is just Ooh. D&D. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to do a campaign on Barsoom now. Oh, yeah. So all of the planets uh, in Mars language or dialect all have different names. So Earth is Jossum and Mars is Barsoom. All the planets um, have different names, except for they all call it the sun. The sun is just yeah. the sun. Yeah. Also, okay. Question. Okay, so when he was, like, what's his name? Tim Regan? John Carter. How did I forget? That's the name of the movie. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so when John Carter's trying to find his cave of gold, gold? Cave of gold in the the beginning, he's trying to look for the spider. Does a spider to him just mean a circle with anything coming out of it? Because, like, spiders have eight legs, and... They, there was multiple different legs on all these other spiders. And then I was like, oh, do they mean a spider web? Because some of the things look like spider webs. But then other times I'm like, no. And then it's like the ninth. I was like, okay, is the ninth ray Pluto? Pluto doesn't, isn't a, technically a planet anymore. So I like ta- like was so confused. But I was like, okay, no, it, <laughs> it works out. I was like, I feel like I'm thinking way too much into this. Um, but I was like, is the, the ninth ray our love of Pluto. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the real ninth ray was the Pluto we forgot along the way. Oh. I feel like, okay, I know I said I was going to do this, but like, okay, the concept of John Carter. John Carter on Earth goes to Mars, is enlisted by green aliens to fight for them, and he says, no, I don't want to fight. And then he sees Deja Thoris and is like, she's really beautiful. I'm going to hang out with her. Deja Thoris, meanwhile, is a princess princess i don't want to say that with a question mark she's trying to save her city from another army so she's like hey john carter want to fight for me and he says no man i don't want to fight um and then at the end of the day john carter gets over his fear of fighting and this is a good thing apparently yeah (laughs) and then enlists all of the different species on mars to fight for the city of helium that's the essential plot i was like there's a lot of other stuff but just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we can like cut the... that out, but I was like, there's a, so much happening. That's the general linear plot. And then at the end of it, the big bad guys, the Therns, send him forcefully back to Earth. I almost said back to Mars. And he's like, oh no, man, my bride, who I love. And spends a long time trying to get back to her. I also, I wrote down like, <clears throat> do, I, do I have a couple of quotes that I really liked from the middle? <clears throat> Sorry, I just aged 20,000 years. I came back to Earth from Mars. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was just me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, one thing, one of my favorite quotes of the entire movie is when the princess yells, I want, I want no playfulness from him is best thing ever. I love her. <laughs> and also 
they always talk about what a luxury is, which I thought was fascinating. Like, they kept bringing that back throughout the entire movie. Like, mm-hmm. like foolishness is a luxury. And it's true. It's like being like ignorant against something and having the right to be foolish. Like that's a luxury because not everyone can be. And then they also talk about like, well, like love is a luxury or my heart is a luxury. And there's just so much, so many things that was quite fascinating of. Oh, I really <laughs> like that. Because, no, I, I really like that because I, I had never noticed that. But I just as you said that some other thoughts kind of all clicked together in my brain because I was giving John Carter, the character, credit earlier because he fought for the South, American South in the Civil War and has now removed himself and he's like, I don't want to fight anymore. And I was like, that's a really good choice, John Carter. Don't fight anymore. And then people keep saying it's for a cause. And I think something really important to think about today, and I mean also in 2012, because we were coming Mm -hmm. up on a U.S. election then too, um, is you have to pick a cause. You can't not care. Even even if you picked the wrong thing before, if you have... self-aware enough to realize that you have it is not a lu- it is a luxury to step aside it is a luxury that oh you willfully definitely you have and so at the end of when he does choose to fight for helium it's good like it's him being like i realize that this is the future of mars and if we want to save this planet and save these people mm-hmm. this is the best way yeah the potential of this movie guys like it's so close to saying some really good things I did hear a rumor, I have no idea what the source of this rumor is, earlier today, where John Carter is being batted around for a Disney Plus show. Oh. And I don't, I feel like they, I feel like they won't. I feel like that, that financial wound is still too raw, even as Disney has taken over uh, literally everything and is like the most successful corporation on the planet right now. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that was still such a big loss and it was, it did okay critically but the reviews were fairly middling and like i said it cost hold on i wrote this down because it was so shocking it cost 315 million dollars to make and market Mm -hmm. uh in 2012 so probably more in today money it made 30.6 million dollars on its opening weekend 12 of those dollars for me (laughs) (laughs) oh no that's not good right I know. It's not great. So I, I would definitely be open to someone else adapting. I would love to see a, if they were to do a TV show, Woman Showrunner, um, because I think that would give more attention to Deja Thoris. And a lot of the other characters that I, we haven't even touched into, one who is only in the movie for a brief moment, Kantos Khan, is like her father, Deja Thoris's father's second in command. And he appears in like two yeah. or three scenes, one of them which is a successfully funny scene in this movie where he shows up, John Carter's been in prison and he's really playing the hard, the bad cop and is like, oh, John Carter, you're in trouble. Grab my sword. And then like <laughs> kidnaps himself basically to help John yeah. Carter escape and it's very charming. James Purfoy is so endearing in he, this tiny role. I only figured out who he was the second time I watched it because the entire time I was like, why does he look familiar? Familiar. He is um, the 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 prince in a knight's tale he is yeah oh james purfoy i've accidentally loved you for so long (laughs) yeah i told you this entire time i watched these movies i was like who is that what i could easily just look at look it up but no because i don't know anyone's name shall we talk about the framing device the opening and the closing scenes of this movie I think they're very fun. 
The opening. Did you reckon? Okay, so the, the movie opens with John Carter back on Earth calling his nephew Edgar Rice Burroughs, who has grown up hearing these stories yes. from his uncle John or Uncle Jack, I think he calls him. Yeah, it's a very fun framing device. I enjoy Edgar yeah. Rice Burroughs being like, do, 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 my cool uncle. Oh God, alien! <laughs> I like, like, I gotta like, go save my not dead uncle. They go back hey, to him. I've he's just like his bait. He's just like leaning down on the table, like reading it, and there's like, by the time you probably finish this, they're ready to probably get you. It's like Jesus Christ! If someone gave me a letter and it's like, by the time you finish this, they're probably behind you. I would. Sh- die (laughs) it's when when you said the beginning i thought you meant like the disney logo and i was like yes i did write down how i love the different disney variation of like the disney castle logo because this one it was like brown and bronzy because of like mars and i always love seeing a disney film to see how they made it a bit differently like in maleficent it was like a completely different castle um like i love the variations of the Disney castle. One of Deja Thoris's tattoos are the Mickey ears. <gasps> you could only see it in one scene, but in her in her wedding scene, Deja Thoris has a Mickey tattoo. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Oh, it's very good. <sighs> but what? Yeah. So, what did you think of John Carter overall? Like, what were some parts? What was your favorite part of John Carter? I'm very curious to know. Um, what's my favorite part? Okay, one of my favorite parts definitely is when the the green aliens all thought John Carter's name was Virginia, and they're all like Virginia. <laughs> I like, try to say it. <laughs> that was fun. I love by the end they're still calling him Virginia, and he's like, "Well, sure, why not?" <laughs> he like might as well. I I came to this movie at a point in my life. I'm still at this point in my life, who am I kidding, where I'm very into pseudo-historical romance, like things that are kind of historical, but not in an accurate way, like mm. the aforementioned Knight's Tale, like Ever After. Yeah. And John Carter hits that same sweet spot for me. Um, one other scene I really like that just delves into this alternate universe where that one Peter Gabriel teaser trailer is actually the tone of the film and they do spend time developing the romance is you are slowly getting these flashbacks of John Carter's past, which we haven't talked about at all. And you find out that part of why John Carter is so tired of fighting is that he has been married before. He did have a a child and they were settling and then were attacked by someone you don't know and killed. And the scene where he is fighting this army of apparently all bad people, they don't really give you any context for who the army is, but he finally decides to join the cause for helium and fights his way through an entire army, and I was kept expecting it to cut back to a scene of him in the Civil War fighting, or, like, the scene of his final battle on Earth, and instead it is a scene of him coming home to find his family dead, and intercut with him burying his family, which is so out of step for the rest of the film, and so incredibly sad, and it's just this weird meditative fight sequence on a man working through a, like, decade of grief that he has not acknowledged in a very long time. I feel like it's like that John Mulaney bit when it's like, well, we don't have time to unpack all that. So, so we're, gonna do- we're just going to do a quick thing. Like, I I also, like, I enjoyed that scene. I, like, the cinematography of it, of, like, the parallels of, like, grief and just fighting. Like, I thought that was done very beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think before, before we wrap up, I do want to just run through, like... It's Oscar season, like, I'm all of my film critic gossip 
powers are at their absolute peak right now where I just love talking about production. So I might dip uh, a bit into how many times they tried to adapt this movie for like 80 years. Oh God. Um, But one thing I wanted to throw in that is my personal favorite. I have two favorite lines. One is this movie tries to do slapstick comedy a lot and certainly Taylor Kitsch is not bad at it. Battleship, which I don't know if you've seen yet, also does a lot of slapstick in the beginning of like, oh, I'm going to fall through this ceiling. I like the equivalent of like slipping on a banana peel while farting is like the sense of humor this movie yeah. has. And there's one line I think that is actually very funny where a villain has shapeshifted to look like Deja Thoris and Deja sees this bad person that looks like her running away oh, yeah, and she goes, yeah. oh, I'm getting away. And I love how she's all like, oh, there they are. They're getting away. She goes, oh, I'm getting away. And I just she referred to it as herself. Yeah. Like, Why did you do that, Deja? Yeah. And then back to the romance of it all that this movie so much is tied into Deja kind of taking her place as a princess of Mars and as also as a scientist leader of this university and John Carter, who's been adrift for so long. Like the tagline of this film is lost in this world, found in another. And Deja has this one line, we may have been born worlds apart, but I know you, John Carter. And then at the end, it shows the title card for John Carter, but then it adds in of Mars. And I just love that he spent so much trying, trying to say, no, I'm from earth. I'm trying to get back to earth, but he finds his place and his self mm. worlds away. And it's just like, <laughs> but why it to just... find yourself, do you need to be in a relationship? I don't think it's, but I don't think it's about being in a relationship, but I think it's about finding someone who he can connect with. And like, for him, he's cut himself off from the world for so long. He has no friends. He doesn't talk mm. to anyone. And then suddenly he finds friends and Tars Tarkas and Sola and he finds love in Deja and someone who he can trust. And it's him willing to find himself and it's him willing to take control of his life again and not just be uh I'm trying to find the word but not someone not a def- not a defector someone who is unwilling to participate not just in like in life but like in society like he he keeps mm-hmm. refusing to fight for a cause or pick a side and it's about him finally picking a side and realizing earth is not where I want to be because I don't <laughs> care about their struggles like that's too much for me but he can participate in Mars in a way he never could on Earth. And for Deja too, where she spends so much time talking about, I don't want to get married, but maybe I should because maybe I should marry this bad guy because it's better for my city, but that's not what I want. And it's her, like, willing to be a little selfish and marry this hot southern man she's just met. But does she want to marry him because he has superpowers? And that can, like, help her city. So she's like, hey, I want, because she says, like, I'm looking for another way you are the other way i just saw that as this is someone else like if i do that then you can protect like i like i never saw it as a romantic thing i thought i saw it more because she's a scientific person i saw it more of a strategy which actually i i also kind of like that actually i don't mind if she's like i have been forced into decisions for a long part of my life so i'm gonna make a political decision that i know is the right hell one yeah i'm okay i'm okay with that too like I, I do believe in their love story but i'm okay with her being like and also added bonus you're cool as hell and can fight real hard yeah yeah <laughs> she's much more articulate than i am um but no i like that she's like no this is a good strategy for my city and yeah keeping away enemies and uniting the people Oh, I like I like that she's also politically thinking. That's a very good yeah. That's how I okay. saw it the entire time was that, and then yeah, that's delicious. Anywho, we've talked enough. Now it is our final decisions. We have a thing we're gonna do when we 
grant each other or we give the person a star and it's, we're going to call it the star chart chase. And what the- We're talking literal star charts. Think about yeah. the reward system your grade two teacher used. Exactly. Like both of us have um, experience in like education field of like teaching library and stuff like that. So star charts are the best. Um, and what's going to happen is that I am going, we're each going to provide um, the other person a, a a rating. Did we say out of five? Is that what we're thinking? I think out of five is good. Out of ten is too much to contemplate. Out of five is making some hard yeah, decisions. Yeah. So we're going to give the person's recommendation out of five stars how good their recommendation was. Um, you can have different reasons. It could either be like you either really liked it or recommend recommending because you thought, hey, that was really good for me type thing. Like it could be a bunch of stuff. Um, so do you... I, have a star rating for you, my dear Emma. What do you think I'm going to give you? I'm praying for... Are we doing half stars or whole stars? I, I think... um. Oh. I don't want to cut stickers. It has to be whole stars. Oh, well, actually, no. I feel no. like sometimes a half... Okay, we can either do a full number or a half number. It can't be, like, a quarter or, like, an eighth. Because Okay, no. I will allow half numbers. Okay. I'll allow it. You'll allow it. So what do you think? I'm going to say you're going to give it a... Oh, because I'm trying to take... I'm trying to take out the affection I have for this story's history and its impact and just what... Okay, you win in cold. You have not spent eight years defending this movie at parties to people who don't care. Um, I'm just going to say a three and a half. I have given it a three. Very close. That's... That is fair. Yeah. That is like, fair. Like, I think the big thing is because I didn't really see their connection, and that's, like, a huge part of the movie. Um, but I did think, like, overall, like, the CGI was actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after just seeing Cats. I'm like, this is actually <laughs> pretty good. Um, and <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought, like, it has, like, some pretty good plot points, and... It wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, I straight up was thinking, because the way that people have talked about it and that you said people, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to give it, like, a one. But I, like, so I was like, actually, this is not that bad. It was pretty enjoyable. So, you get a three. I'm in the lead. do 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 we'll oh. that goes until next week. Oh my god, yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, yes. I will give it a three. And I thought it was actually not too bad. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I know. I, um, I was reading an interview with Taylor Kitsch where he was talking about how him and Lynn Collins are still really good friends and he wouldn't trade the John Carter experience for anything because they still text each other every day. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what I would give for a sequel. <laughs> it's never going to happen. The moment's past. I understand this. <laughs> you are John Carter of Earth? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> All right. So to close up, close it off every week our our expert in residence which this week in case you couldn't tell is me i prepared a little a little game for jenny mm. um i i i'm now i originally it's only gonna be one question now there's two questions because okay. like i said this movie uh the book was written in 1912 uh adaptations were bounced about hollywood as early as 1930 or 1931 wow. rather where uh, a director for Looney Tunes named Bob Clampett was like, 
Edgar, Ned, my buddy, let me do an animated movie. They tried it, didn't work at all. Totally tanked. If it had happened, it would have beat out Snow White for first uh, feature-length animated film. Ooh. And then uh, a couple years, a couple decades later in the 50s, Ray Harryhausen, a famous Disney director, really wanted to give it a shot. Didn't work, but he did convince Disney to buy the rights. And then in the 80s, they were like, hmm maybe we can do a live action adaptation after all they brought in john mctiernan the director of die hard to give it a look and brought on a 80s film star who definitely recently i'm gonna give you a little hint recently an action star but not at the beginning of his career like i'd say only in the past 20 years or so has he really cemented himself as an action icon yeah what 80s actor was originally cast in the role of john carter do you have multiple choice or do I have to just say it? I, okay, I, I will. Okay, I didn't. I just thought of this question now. Um, I am going to give you a job description of other famous characters he has played. Job description. Okay. He has famously played a vampire. Okay. He has famously played a sports agent. Okay. He has famously played a spy in several or more specifically six movies oh oh i'm so bad with names is it the james bond guy no oh. <laughs> <laughs> he plays oh wait has... wait wait oh no no never mind i was gonna he... say fast and furious already has too many so it's not someone fast and furious he has played a spy in a franchise that has six movies and a seventh one coming out in the next couple years that we were definitely talking about earlier this week. What? We talk about so many things! He is also... Were I to stand next to him for a photo, if I was like, hey, this actor who I don't like as a person but do like as an as a action star and I wanted a photo with him, he may have to stand on a couple steps so we could be in the same oh, frame. Oh, wait, wait, Tom Cruise? Yeah, Tom Cruise was <laughs> cast as John Carter in the oh. 80s. Can you imagine oh. that world? Oh, no. That would be odd. <laughs> It would be odd and bad. And then, yeah, and then it kind of got ditched for a while. And then John Favreau almost directed it. And then he decides to do Iron Man instead, which I think we can say confidently worked out pretty well for him. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, and then now here, now here's my actual quiz that I have okay. prepared. Uh, we talked about actors a lot and didn't talk about characters a lot because all of the names in this movie, aside from John Carter, are just made up words. Yeah. I have a list here of six characters. Oh, God. Okay. But only three of them are actually characters in the movie. Oh, the God. other three are, are, are names I made up. <laughs> and I want you to tell me which ones are not actually featured in the film oh, John Carter. No, this directed is a by nightmare. <laughs> oh, no. I am ready. No, I'm not. I am ready. Oh, God. Okay. Sarkoja. Cal Kadan. Tal Hodges. Tardis Moores, Vadai Zatrini, and Matai Shang. <laughs> <laughs> no, thought this hard in my life. Okay. Sarkoja? Okay. Yes or no? Yes. That is correct. Sarkoja okay. is the mean green alien that bullies. Yes. I knew the first one for sure was one of them. Kalkadan. 
No. Also correct. Um, yeah, I just made that up. I went to a sci-fi name generator. On the <laughs> That's internet. what I really did. I know. I couldn't. Tal Hodges. No. He is. Damn that it. is Dominic West from Pride. That is his character's name. Oh my god, the wait, main no, villain's wait, name? No, that isn't. That isn't. I'm thinking of the Rockhead, and that's not even his name. I don't remember what his name is. His name is like Sartam. I was I like, I swear I would have recognized no. his name. Tal Hodges is. Oh my, I watched this movie this morning. It's the green alien that gets his head cut off by John Carter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tardis Moores. No. He is. That is yeah. Thoris' dad's name. Tardis Moores. And then the rest are fake. Because process of Wait, you said three are correct and three aren't. You already said three of them are the real ones, so the rest are fake. No, you've only, you've only found two fake ones so far. No, you've only found one fake one so far. So Sarsokroja is yes. Yeah. Tal Kadan is fake. Yeah. Tal Hajis is the alien that gets his head chopped so, off. Yes. Tardis Moores is the... Oh, there are four. There are four that are real. I lied okay. again. I can't count. I can't do math. <laughs> I was like, okay, we no. know three. <laughs> no, there's four that are real. I only did two fake names. So, oh, God, this is hard. Which one is fake? Vadai Zatrini or Matai Shang? The Trini one. That is correct. Matai Shang is the uh, space monk played by Mark Strong that sees over all of time in space. All I knew was that the first and the last one were correct. Everything else was a 50-50 shot, my friend. <laughs> Even I didn't know when I was the quiz master. <laughs> so, well done. You I mean, did very well. I feel like I am... I'm very proud of myself, actually. I think that was not that bad. You did but very well. It was also terrifying. Remember. It was very stressful for everyone involved. Mainly you. It wasn't actually that stressful for me. <laughs> Dominic West is called Sab Fan. Yes, 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 yes. Sab Fan. She's just right. a sad fan. And that's John Carter, and this is the first episode of our podcast. Yes. And if you think that, like, you, if you have an opinion about John Carter that you feel like we did not talk about or that should be mentioned more or that you think our opinions are completely wrong or completely validated please do let you us want, know do you want me to talk about a thing i love and actually talk about what i love about it instead of all the things that could have been let us know <laughs> and how can they let us know that miss emma you can find us on twitter at hi-ho podcast that's uh H-Y-H-O for Have You Heard Of Podcast on Twitter or email us at hihopodcast at gmail.com. Jenny and I don't do Twitter, so you can find us nowhere. Uh, but send us an email and we would love to hear from you. You can find us nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and next week it is Jenny's pick and she's going to get some stars of her own. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm not going to tell you what I, we're doing, but it will be fun. And let's just say we're going to go down a yellow brick road. Just, just to make I have it as seen Wizard of possible. Oz. So. Okay, well, it's not Wizard of Oz. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to add a little air of mystery because you're gonna hear that and be like, Emma's never seen Wizard of Oz. No. Oh my goodness, I've seen Wizard of Oz, but no, it's not what you're thinking of. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, and also, we'll sign off with, remember, like what you like, your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same of mine. John Carter forever. Bye! <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>